0: Welcome to another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely, a special edition of the program, One Guest Only, an institution, if I may use the term, in Barry and Simcoe County, Jane Pritchard, who many in the region will know from her work in television going back to the early 80s. She's retired now from broadcasting, but may be busier than ever with other things, promoting her book about her journey through breast cancer, conducting health and wellness workshops and more. We hop into the Wayback Machine with Jane to talk about her first days in television, and what's happened since after this. This is What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely, and look who's sitting on the other side of the table from me, Jane Pritchard. And if you don't know, broadcaster, podcaster, author, public speaker, nutritional counselor, recce master...
1: When, yeah, do you, yeah. when do you what do you relax? <laughs> oh, Reiki is a wonderful tool that anyone can use, and I used it in hospital when I was recovering from surgery because you can relieve pain. And it's instant, and it's a wonderful tool to have. And I'm so glad that I took these courses over the past few years so that I can do it for myself and others.
0: That's the other thing I forgot to mention, also a breast cancer survivor. Yes. You and I go way back, sort of. We both started working in Barrie in different places in the early 80s. You at, I think it was called the New VR then? Back then it was CKVR. Was it still CKVR yes, then? Yes, okay. yes. And I was at some little AM radio station called CKBB. Yeah. It was interesting how you wound up at uh, CKVR.
1: Well, I would had no training or experience. I had not gone to school for broadcasting. Um, my husband and I bought a little hobby farm in Innisfil back in the spring of 82. And I thought, well, I don't want to drive to Toronto every day for work. I don't want to be a commuter. So before we actually moved up to the farm, I came to Barrie and spent the day knocking on doors. And I just thought I was willing to do anything and any, everything. And I just wanted to be in Barrie. If I was going to live in Innisfil, I wanted to work close by. Well, I went, came into the station... And I spoke to, I think, the general manager at the time, Doug Garraway, who since passed. And we had a nice discussion. And I thought, well, this probably isn't going to go anywhere. And it didn't for a few months. I ended up getting a job in Toronto because I needed to work. So I was only there a few weeks when I got a call from the station (laughs) (laughs) to say. Funny how that happens. I know. They said, uh, would you like to come in to talk to us about hosting this daily half-hour talk show called Good Company? And I thought, why are they calling me about hosting a daily half-hour show on television? I had no background. I had no experience. And I thought, well, why not come in for the interview just to say I did? So I came in and I did the interview, and it was with Bob McIntyre. God bless him. He's since passed, of course. Mm -hmm. And so we did the interview, and then uh, I was asked to come back and do an on-camera audition. (laughs) I went, whoa, this this is interesting, but don't get excited, I said to myself, because I'm not going to get the job, so don't bother even being nervous. So I wasn't. So they made special arrangements for me to come in on a Saturday to do the on-camera audition. I'd been not quite bailing hay, but I'd been out in the hay field at my neighbor's farm helping her bring in hay because I needed it for my horses. And I wasn't even worried that morning about the interview. Didn't even think about it. And I thought, oh, gee, I'd better, you know, shower and get ready for this on-camera audition. So went home, got ready, drove into the station, and it was Bob McIntyre who I chose to interview. He said, you can bring anyone in you like, or you can interview me. I thought, well, I I felt comfortable with Bob. So I thought, yeah, I'd like to interview you, please. So we came in, we sat down on the Good Company set, and we just talked for about 10 minutes. And I I enjoyed it. It was fun. He took me on a tour of the station after, and then I went home, and I thought, well, that's it. You know, I can tell all my friends i have done an on-camera audition. Isn't that fun? <laughs> well, don't I get a call a week or two later offering me the job? Well, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I couldn't believe they had offered me the job of hosting a daily half-hour talk show on TV. So that had to be probably the best job I ever had. I interviewed 3,400 people in the time I did Good Company. And these were people I chose to interview It was so much fun. I learned so much. I made some good friends. I interviewed people like Roberta Bondar, the first Canadian woman in space.
0: You were at CKVR, the new VR, A Channel, (laughs) CTV2 for almost 40 years? Yes. And morphed into one position after another after another. You Mm -hmm. must have been damn good Mm -hmm. at what you did.
1: Uh, Or lucky, I don't know. I survived many layoffs. And I always approached it in such a way that I thought, well, if it's my time to go, so be it. I'll find something else. Um, because I'm a believer that when one door closes, another always opens. It was a shame that I saw so many people lose their jobs who hadn't planned on it, who didn't know what they were going to do next. I don't know what I would have done either if, if they, you know, um, asked me to leave. But I I was there through so many waves of layoffs because the, the industry has been shrinking so much. But from from the talk show... And there was another show I did in the summer months for a few years as well called Summer Scene. That's right, yes. Yeah, I had a co-host for that, and we went on location, that was fun. And then um, they cut back um, everywhere. And the reason they cut a lot of the homegrown shows was because they wanted to put all the resources into news. They were expanding news from a half hour a day to an hour. They were adding a weekend newscast and they needed everyone and everything. So I got thrust into the news department as a reporter. Well, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Back then, all the reporters worked with a cameraman. um, So I was very lucky that I had experienced people who, who worked with me and and i received a lot of help from them so i became a reporter for about three years and that was such a grind turning out two stories a day and i thought i don't want to do this anymore i don't care if i'm ever on the air again so i applied for a job in the promotions department and i got it and i was so happy to be working in promotions with an editor every day making promos that promoted uh, our shows movies things that were coming up uh, for air And then I was brought back into the news department as um, an anchor. I really had no choice. They put me in this position as anchor. I started out doing news inserts during breakfast television. This is when the station carried breakfast television. Mm -hmm. And I would have to start at 5.30 in the morning um, I was on the air every half hour on the hour, like at 6, 6, 30, 7, 7, 30, 8, 8 30, 9. I can relate
0: to that.
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that, and then I would do the weather at 12.30. Then one day, the anchor for 12.30 was sick, so I had to anchor the entire 12.30 newscast. And my knees were just shaking because this was a little different from three minutes at a time. And then one day, the 6 o'clock anchor also called in sick, so I ended up doing the breakfast television inserts, I anchored the 1230 news, I anchored the 6 o'clock news, and I anchored the 11 o'clock news. It was a marathon, because all these people had called in sick, and I was the only person there, and they wouldn't let me go home.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And they had confidence that you could do the job.
1: Well, that led to anchoring the 6 o'clock news and the 11 for many years. And then I was home um, because of the pandemic and because I was on medical leave and they didn't want me back in during a pandemic. So for the past few years, I was working from home, coming to the station, staying outside the building and filling in for Casey to do weather.
0: That's called resilience. <laughs> yes. But you had the the health scare come along mm-hmm. too in the, in the mm-hmm. middle of all this and, and yeah. uh, you... Uh, Migrated through that very, very well.
1: It was five and a half years ago now that I got that diagnosis, and at first I wanted to keep it quiet. I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't want anyone to know about this. And we all talked about this at work, like a handful of us, uh, including the news director and senior producer, and and some people I was close to there. And they said, "You can't. You can't just go off for months." and not tell people where you're going because you're you're away for a week and they phone in and say, where's Jane? Oh, she's just on vacation. Oh, okay, that's good. Then she's coming back. Right? Yeah, she's coming back. So I couldn't go away for a week. So I couldn't be off for months. I didn't know how long I was going to be off for. So we thought, oh, okay. Then let's turn this into a public service announcement. So we recorded a little message from home that was to air... The first day, I was on medical leave saying why I wasn't there. And I encouraged everyone to get tested. Men and women, don't put things off like testing that are important, because early diagnosis can be the key to a successful outcome. So when I did that, oh, my stars, my phone blew up. The emails came in by the thousands. Um, our the, the CKVR Facebook page blew up. the The website blew up. There was such an overwhelming response, and the messages were probably going to get emotional. The messages were um, of encouragement. They were, "You've got this." I've had breast cancer. I got through it. You can too. You know, wonderful messages like that. And I thought, I thought when I made this message, oh, I'll get a few cards from well wishers, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll get, well, I got boxes and boxes and boxes of cards. And 104,000 messages came in in like four hours um, after this message aired. And I was totally overcome by this, the response. But you know, that gave me so much strength and encouragement, and I think we all have people in our lives who were our cheerleaders, and I just happen to have, like, hundreds of thousands of them. So it's very fortunate. Well, it's a testament to
0: the impact you had on, on people's lives on a daily basis through the work you were doing at the station. Let me ask you this. So all these words of encouragement, letters of encouragement, how many letters did you get from people who said, I couldn't have got through this without you telling your story?
1: I did have some of those. And I met a woman in the summertime. I was at the Innisfil library doing um, an author's author's talk. And a woman came and brought her book, my book that she had bought, I guess from a bookstore or Amazon. She brought the book with her and told me that I had helped her get through her breast cancer and would I please sign her book for her. Um, So, yes, I did have some of that. I had a man who wrote to me and said when you when your message aired about why you were leaving to deal with breast cancer and to get tested you know men and women don't put things off important things like that he said i felt like you were talking to me because i had lost my family doctor some years ago he'd retired i never bothered looking for a new doctor i felt you were telling me to go out and get a doctor and take care of myself he said so i did He said, at that appointment with my new family doctor, he tested me and said, you're on the verge of having a stroke. He immediately put me on blood pressure-lowering medication. He said, I felt like this message saved my life. And this was a man.
0: So is it stories like that that prompted you to write your book?
1: A good friend encouraged me to write the book because of the alternative therapies that I sought out. I blended traditional Western medicine with alternative therapies. And it was felt that this information was very valuable to people who didn't know about certain things like vitamin C treatments given intravenously, about homeopathy, about acupuncture, about immune boosting supplements. So all of that is in the book. I talk about my story from the time I got the diagnosis I talk about how I almost put off my mammogram for another year, but went for it anyway because I thought, what am I going to tell my family doctor if he says to me, why didn't you go for your yearly mammogram? So I went and the one mammogram led to a second mammogram that led to a biopsy that led to another biopsy and the diagnosis, which was an aggressive form of breast cancer in the early stages. Can you imagine if I'd waited another year? So that's also in the book about how important it is to take care of yourself and never put off anything like diagnostic testing.
0: And this, in turn, has led to other adventures for you, uh, nutritional uh, counseling, uh, registered. That, that makes it really important, doesn't it?
1: Well, it, what it means is that I'm registered with the Canadian Examining Board of Healthcare Practitioners. So I'm not just someone who's picked up a book about nutrition. Well, somebody yeah. on the internet did. I know yes. what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I was actually, uh, I've been a nutritional counselor for some time. And it was during the time I was going through my seven surgeries and I had all this time to recover that I took the Reiki courses as well. So I talk about the benefits of that. And I talk about healing with horses. Um, I talk about the sweat lodge I went to, um, all of these wonderful things that are available for us anyone and everyone to try. I don't say, don't do this, do that. I'm just saying, did you know that vitamin C does wonders for the body, and this is what homeopathy does, and so on and so forth.
0: You put the TV career aside, and found a whole lot of other things to keep you occupied.
1: Oh, yes, yes. I didn't just retire to sit around eating bonbons and watching soap <laughs> operas.
0: <laughs> Tell me about uh, being a, a Reiki master. What's what's that all
1: about? Well, a Reiki master is someone who's taken all of the courses and um, has the ability to um, help people heal. And Reiki can help someone physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually whether you believe it or not, but if you set your intention to have it work for you, it will work even better. How it works is um, someone will lie on something like a massage bed, fully clothed, dim lighting, lovely music playing, and the Reiki practitioner will put their hands on or just above a person a minimum of 12 different hand positions and these positions are held for five minutes each or more. I can tell through my hands if someone needs more and I will stay there longer. My hands feel like they're bubbling. They do that when I have my hands over my husband's knees. I can feel the bubbling and tingling inside my hands and I know he needs more there. And I can even send it to someone. During the pandemic, when we weren't getting together very often, I would um, send it to a friend. I'd say, okay, at eight o'clock tonight, I want you to sit in your favorite comfortable chair. I want you to put on some soft music. I want you to have a glass of water beside you for the end. And at eight o'clock, I want you to take three deep breaths and I want you to set your intention and then just relax for the next hour. And I would send it to her, and the text messages I got were astounding about what they felt, how they felt after, how she felt she could conquer the world. She wasn't as anxious, she wasn't as stressed. All kinds of wonderful things can happen with Reiki. And
0: you're a master or a
1: mistress? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Be, I don't know. <laughs> you're just as good a master. at it. Just
0: good at it. And and and. In spite of all this busyness of yours, you took up kayaking over the summer.
1: I did. I did. I had never been in a kayak in my life. Uh, my husband and I thought this was the thing to do now that we're living, you know, across the road from Georgian Bay. We had a boat, uh, but this was different. It's a different type of boating. You can, I can do it by myself. It's peaceful. I can just walk across the road and put the kayak in the water. So we went um, to a great place to get some help as to what type of kayaks to get. We didn't know how long, what size, how wide. We didn't know anything about them. So we went to some experts, got a couple. And a couple of days later, we went out for the very first time, my husband and I, and just loved it. And after that, you couldn't keep me out of the water. I would, any opportunity, if it wasn't too windy, I would take it out, cross, wheel it across the road, and off I'd go for an hour or two. So what do you do for the winter then? Well, we have passes to Awenda Provincial Park because we live four minutes away from uh, ah. There are gorgeous trails through there. So, and I've got some snowshoes, and we both have snowshoes now. And so we're going to snowshoe through Awenda.
0: Best piece of advice for anybody going through adversity? Because you've been there a few times. What's your best piece of advice for people?
1: Take care of yourself, learn to say no, accept help from people because you will need it, and stay positive.
0: Your book is Breast Cancer After the Diagnosis, One Woman's Story of Overcoming Setbacks. Where can people get a hold of that?
1: You can get it on Amazon. It's also available in an an audio version. I voiced it myself. It's available at Nutrition Plus on Maple Avenue in downtown Barrie. There are some copies at Indigo in the south end of Barrie. And you have a website, so if people wanted to reach out to you... Yes, they can go to janepritchard.com. You are an inspiration, lady. Oh, thanks, Dan. You are, too. You know, your voice is a voice I first heard when I moved to Innisfil. You have been part of everyone's lives for generations, if I could say that now, because I feel the same way now about I myself. I No, well, I've been doing it the same, same length of time. So, But honestly, yours was the first voice I heard, and it's such a comforting voice, and it's the voice of home.
0: Well, you're very kind. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for coming in today. This has been a long time coming, as I told you. I've been thinking about it for a long time, then something would come up, something would come up, and then we ran into each other face-to-face and we got it done. Yeah. So yeah. thank you so much for coming in, sharing your experiences with our audience, and uh, we'll be sure to have you back again.
1: Oh, I'd be delighted. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Dan.
0: And that's our program for this week. Our thanks to Jane Pritchard for stopping by and sharing her story. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on X at Barry360, on our website, barry360.com. Some of you can still see us on Facebook. And there's our daily Kickstart podcast available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.